Greetings Grapple fans, the shit's about to hit the fan, and welcome to the latest episode of Let Me Tell You Something's Meltzer 5 Star Project, an ongoing project within the Let Me Tell You Something world, in which myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorca Mullen, and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host Simon Cross, discuss the matches that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated 5 stars or higher on the odd occasion. And usually the even-numbered occasions as well, when it's G1 Climax time. But we're not talking about a G1 Climax, but we're talking about another type of event that Dave Meltzer is very frequently a dispenser of the five-star ratings or higher. It's an AEW pay-per-view. Simon, where are we? Who are we talking about? And what is the match they're involved in? We are at AEW Double or Nothing, to get my words out. I'm so damn excited for this match. Because you're right, shit is about to go down. We are talking about anarchy in the arena between the Jericho Appreciation Society that consists of Chris Jericho himself, Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Cool Hand Angelo Parker, and Daddy Magic Matt Menard. Versus John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Santana, Ortiz, and the Mad King himself, Eddie Kingston. And to get ready for this match, I've already bladed. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm just, poor claret is pouring down my face right now. Mm-hmm. I just assumed it was your wine intake that was finally <laughs> emerging via sweat <laughs> down your front. My face is now as red as Alan Brazil's. Mm-hmm. But what we're covering today is funny because... I don't know if Meltzer can truly say this is a five-star match. I don't know that anyone can say this is a five-star match because at best, we witness about 33% of what happens in this match (laughs) over the course of the the match itself because anarchy is the key word here. This is wild, brawling all over the place. Very reminiscent of the old ECW and WWF Attitude Era brawls around the arena, sort of hardcore championship matches. Also referencing ECW in one particular aspect, with the first five minutes or so of the match being soundtracked (laughs) by John Moxley's entrance music, the version of Wild Thing performed by X... And that moment when the song finishes and then after half a second starts up again. That's one of the loudest pops in this match. And what's curious about this match and really everything that Jericho's been doing pretty much in his entire time in AEW and is doing here. And a lot of what AEW is about is walking this tightrope of humor and seriousness because whilst Jericho plays a lot of this for laughs on the other end of the feud that is what this whole match is revolved around Eddie Kingston 
he's taking this as seriously as, you know, life and death, literally. Yes. As it goes. Because, you know, what what escalated this match and what was the basis of the finish and, and how it falls apart for the good guys, I suppose, since they don't have a collective name, is the fact that Chris Jericho threw a fireball at Eddie Kingston, proper old school Memphis. And they do reference the Tupelo uh, concession stand brawls as well at the latest moment. So this is very Memphis as well. And straight after that, Jericho gives himself another new nickname, the wizard and starts throwing fireballs at random people backstage. Mm. Whereas Eddie Kingston makes it like, this is the worst thing anyone's ever done to me. Yeah. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Yeah. And throughout it all, and even in this match, it almost seems like Jericho doesn't quite get it still. Yeah. And I don't know how you feel about that. Should Jericho be selling the seriousness of this more, or is Eddie Kingston out of place? Or does the fact that both of them have utterly different takes on it fit within what both of those characters are? I think it fits perfectly for what this is, and this is phase one of a story. Well, I'd say it's phase two because, you know, they were in a singles match at the previous pay-per-view. Sorry, phase one of, like, the group combat story, I should say. But, yeah, you're right. No, phase two of the story overall. Because Jericho is obviously, you know, Jericho Appreciates Society, like, they are the kings of sports entertainment. They come out in the NSYNC outfits. I was thinking more Backstreet Boys, but maybe NSYNC's right. I'm not sure. Uh, Potato, potato, NSYNCO, I guess. Word. (laughs) Heard it old school. Do you know why that happens in the Simpsons episode? Why they kept cutting to Justin Timberlake saying, Word. No. It's because apparently he was really reluctant to say it. Like, he was like, it doesn't sound like something I would say. But they got him to say it. And then, just to spite him <laughs> for his behaviour, they just dropped that into the episode about six or seven times. <laughs> that's, that's great shithousery right there. That's Masanobu level shithousery. Mind you, he then made all that money for saying I'm loving it. So, swings and roundabouts, Justin. Swings and roundabouts. No, I digress. No, I think, to go back to your original question, I think what this shows is Jericho doesn't quite realise what he's done. He's still playing. At the, at the start of this match, he's still playing. As this match goes on, and after it hits the key turning point, he, his demeanour starts to change, and... His aggression starts to change. And in the following weeks so far, we've seen a change in him on some level. It's less playful now. There's a gear switch in the middle of this match. And at its next chapter, we're going to see something entirely, not entirely different, but a more aggressive version of the Jericho Appreciation Society, who were pretty aggressive anyway in this match. Daniel Garcia was throwing some bombs there's one point in the um, brawl in the t-shirt, a concession stand, he is pounding on Eddie Kingston. I mean, one of the more striking visual moments in the whole match is him wrapping his belt around Kingston's neck and dragging him along the floor. That was a good moment. I did feel like Daniel Garcia, they could have done more with him in this match. At the start, Excalibur says like he seems to be the one that's taken the least damage. When he's going around beating up and he does that big spot with Ortiz, I believe. He hits him with the pile driver off the apron onto the steps. Yeah. And then he goes away and is the one that's brawling with Eddie Kingston. But then after that, when when we see them fighting in the freight lift, 
the freight elevator. The doors close. That's the last we see of Garcia in the match. Yeah. Looking at it, I was thinking maybe the great spot for him to have turned up would have been when Danielson hits the running knee onto Jericho with Jericho holding the chair up. Would have been, because instead of having Jericho kick out, have Daniel Garcia sort of come out of nowhere to break up the pin. Yeah. And then have him be a factor as well in the finish with Danielson being choked out by Jericho and Hager. Maybe be that he's holding off Moxley, who's just still selling the bump from the table. I mean, it's like Santana and Ortiz hit their splash off the ladder. Yeah. And that's the last we see of them hitting a big move on 2.0. And then when the Jericho Appreciated Society win the match, 2.0 have crawled to the ring seemingly quicker than Santana and Ortiz did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are a couple of like logic holes in the whole thing, I guess. I guess why Daniel Garcia was taken out of the picture is to give the good guys the the appearance of the advantage before they implode. If they implode in a disadvantage, it doesn't quite mean as much. I know what you mean, but you could have easily have had Eddie Kingston. Well, that happens after Eddie Kingston comes in and does the douses them in the lighter fluid, douses yeah. both Jericho and Danielson in the in the gasoline. And then he gets knocked out by Judas Effect, then and then Danielson's fighting them off one against two. That's when that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, that's when that's what happens. So the Kingston stuff already would have happened before the running knee and the and everything. Mm. I am curious as to what is the end goal for the Jericho Appreciation Society. It seems designed to be short lived. Yeah. It's essentially like the wrestling faction equivalent of your rebound partner. <laughs> and like I thought that, that was really how they presented it because 2.0 had always been basically a joke jobber tag team. Yeah. In the promotion and now suddenly they're you know, I mean they get the shit kicked out of them for the most part, but they are fighting back. They are brawling, you know, they do stand victorious at the end of the night. They hang pretty evenly with uh, well, actually, Matt Menard does not happen pretty evenly. He he bleeds heavily quite early. He, he's And it's Garcia rescuing him from Kingston, which leads to their segment in the lobby area. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about 2.0 and in general, because they do play it so comedically. At first, I thought he was French-Canadian. And then I realized that, that was him doing like a New York tough guy voice, Matt yeah. Menard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do what they're what they're asked to do effectively, but they do feel a little bit out of place. But I thought that was kind of the point that this is a lesser faction mm. that, especially, and that's essentially what 2.0 represent that they're not on Santana and Ortiz's level. Yeah, but maybe they are meant to bring them up to that level. And Hager's just like forever loyal to Jericho, and Hager's an in- Hager is a curious one. It seemed like he'd sort of run his course with them when the inner circle ended but he's essentially been refreshed and reheated into it again mm. you know he's like the loyal wardlow <laughs> yeah he does he doesn't do a lot but he doesn't need to do a lot no yeah because he's so big that you can just believe it's whatever point till you know yeah bail jericho out and he times it with the baseball bat to the knee and everything and he has had an AEW world title match in another Men- memphis uh mainstay the mt arena match in the early COVID days, there's a great video of his wife refusing to let him back in the house after he's lost. Uh, just a little aside, which just shows a bit of a funny side to Jake Hager that you don't normally see on this because he doesn't have to do a lot. 
again, there is that humour to it, isn't there? And obviously the thing to compare this match to, and Moxley makes a point of saying this is not going to be Stadium Stamp 3'd. It's going to be Anarchy in the Arena. And so it's the opposite end of the spectrum, really, because Stadium Stampede is so orchestrated, mapped out, choreographed, planned, plotted... And this was so the opposite of it. The cameras are desperately trying to keep up instead of the cameras being in place. And not only the cameras, but like lighting cues are ready. Yeah. To give Sean Spears a spotlight as he's surrounded by hundreds of steel chairs. That's exactly the moment I was thinking of, which would not... It's so far removed from what this is. Which is great, in a way. I think if they try to do it, Stadium Stampede again... Stadium Stampede served a purpose. I don't think we'll ever see it again. I can see it coming back but it will be in the right circumstances. I mean, it's the most sports entertainment thing they've done, so it makes sense. You know, this was like them fighting on, you know, the other team's turf, on their rules. Yeah. And so maybe it should have been a stadium stampede as the follow-up of them having to play by Jericho Appreciation Society's rules. Mm. But it's that thing of, like, Danielson, I don't know that he'd work in a... In a or, I don't know, he'd try and make it work, but... I don't know, like, he's capable of, like, comedic stuff. Yeah, but there's a difference between that and, like, being drowned and turning into different personas with costume changes. Well, he doesn't have different personas, but, like, you'd find something for him to do. Like, maybe him, like, yes-kicking some guy for, like, three straight minutes or something stupid like that. Yeah. Oh, they could do it, but I don't know if it would be right for the people that they're against, you know? Yeah. It kind of worked with the pinnacle and the inner circle with the characters that they were playing. I don't think Moxie would never want to be a part of it. And that, you know, he says flat out, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and we got to see uh, William Regal do his like shout, admittedly not of the original word, but to set up the next part. So we got something. Yes. Although in the interim, and by the time this episode goes out, we'll know the results. Because the thing I texted you after I watched the match for the first time was, I think the only thing I might want to talk about for this whole episode is Jericho's hair. Yeah. This was a, it was a shock. It seemed to come from nowhere. I don't recall him ever having this kind of issue with his hair ever before. There's, I know I'm not a body language psychologist, but there's a moment at the end of the match when he's getting his hand raised where he puts his arm immediately over his head, like sort of arm like my head's hurt kind of thing. But the way he lies it, I, I think he I think he realised during that match. I could be wrong. The fact that, the, that they immediately called a hair versus hair match does make me think, yeah, Jericho knows and he's just gonna... Yeah. I thought bald-headed Jericho will be such a strange sight, unless he does the whole... He runs away and so he just gets like a Jeff Jarrett-style short back and sides, but... Mm. I mean, he's had short hair before. I don't know, maybe this was some sort of a devil's pact for him to lose all the weight. <laughs> Along with it, he loses other things too. Ah, if he stays healthy, it's worth it. Because it was just so jarring as it went on towards the end. It was like, where the hell has this come from? Yeah. But can't have it all, can you, I guess? But uh, one other thing I did notice, Jericho, at, like, at least two points I visibly saw him, like, sort of not selling and just talking. Mm. 
There's a moment when it's obvious they were trying to do a scooter spot with him and Mox. <laughs> That's so great because he's in the chokehold, but you actually see him try on the handlebars, try and get it going. And there's another moment when they're in the ring where it's just after I think he's been hit with the steel by Moxley with like the the ring post, yeah, the the the, the, the buckle, yeah. Uh, connector which seems to have knackered him out as he was trying to get it out take it apart mm. and you can see him just sort of stopping and talking to audrey because i think there's that case of because they're all over the arena they need to know their cues for when because there were obvious big moments that they need to build up to so you can't do so much stuff where you are because you've got to have we've got to see that shot of the freight elevator doors closing because then when eddie kingston comes out with the cat it's like a surprise you're wondering oh yeah God, he's back, and obviously he's taking care of Garcia and seems to have uh, evil intentions on his mind. I mean, his look. That visual is gold. You know, I, it's an overused term, but that was an iconic image immediately. It's like, well, mm. that's going to be on shirts. There's him. There's, in AEW so far, I'm trying to think of other ones. There's MJF covered in blood on top of Blood and Guts. That's a good shot of MJF. Well, I would have thought it's more him with the e- evil smile on his face as CM Punk's hog t- is tied up and bleeding. That's a good one too. And with the blood hand blood handprint over it. Yeah, his... yeah. There's but there's like there's moments like that. Cody and Dustin covered in blood. There's a lot of blood. Love just love blood. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. That is Keddy Kingston's equivalent of Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Sharpshooter. Yeah. Or Becky Lynch standing defiantly in the crowd after their ambush attack on Raw. The good thing about it is not everyone bladed heavily. It felt like it. (laughs) Everyone tried to. Except for Jericho and Hager. Yeah. I think... And Garcia didn't bleed. No, Garcia was fine. Cool Hand Angelo bled, but only a little bit. Well, I think it's just one of those things where they bled so early that it dried up and it congealed by the end of the match. But... It, the, the only one that looked like Anita levels in like his barbed wire matches was uh, Matt Menard. He was caked in the stuff. They tried to do the bit with the scooter. I'm sort of almost glad that didn't work. I'm not glad that the cameraman hung on as long as he... Well, the production team, rather, hung on as long as they did. Because that, that sold the wrestlers short. But I'm glad that bit didn't work because the stuff that... There, there wasn't really a lot of wacky stuff. It was like visceral stuff. Whereas I think the scooter thing would have been a bit too wacky. I think that's a blessing in disguise, personally. Well, yeah. I mean, I do appreciate the humor, and you know, they they lay it out from the start. You know, the shit's about to hit the fan. They literally have the announcers say that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine for him to say that. Like, but I, I don't know. I, I guess if you want to step away from like the stadium stampede stuff. I'm I'm just glad I'm looking back I'm glad the scooter didn't work. I'm I'm glad that it was just a clean thing. Yeah, but then it just led to a really awkward moment of them sitting around there not doing much. Again though, that's something the production team like could have bailed them out of. Well, you know, that's the thing it was so reactive and you can also tell that there was probably a la- there's a lack of production, you know, like I always, it's a match I cite so often, but I love it so much. And maybe that's the sign of the sort of version of all out crazy brawls that I like more is the Team Hell No Ryback against the Shield. So you got mm. two previous participants in that, in this match. And that was so clearly agented. Like every moment was structured out. And mm. it was like there was always a focal point of action. Whereas, you know, for the first five minutes, there is no sense of. 
this is where we need to be, this is where we need to look, they're all just brawling, and it can feel aimless, that was my big complaint with Blood and Guts, and it's been my big complaint of a lot of the old classic war games matches, some people like that stuff, I find I get very bored very quickly, because I've got no Mm. sense of what's important, what isn't, this is just repetitive brawling, everyone's doing the same stuff just across five different parts of the arena, also the lack of like a sense of structure is like seems to be visible in the fact that Brian Danielson decides to brawl with Parker around a big part of tape tarped off yeah, arena seats. Just making his life harder. <laughs> that was such a WCW thing for them to do like a big brawl in the crowd and then just reveal, oh wow, you are thousands of seats off of selling out because of where <laughs> you decided to walk towards. That is not making the company look good. Now, in fairness to them, I think the reason for that was that they were in the hard cam section. Yeah. And you do t- tarp off a little part of that so there's room for the production. You protect the hard cam. Yeah, yeah. It was funny as well. You saw them go past a, a monitor with, like, the time, literally mm. showing them how long they've got. And I assume that's for, like, the in-ring talent to see as well, maybe, because yeah. it's like a timing cue for them. Um, it's just funny, those little things about wrestling television production that you don't know you don't see or you don't appreciate Mm. yeah i don't know what that's for necessarily but it seemed like it was positioned so that a wrestler can see it or a referee can see it to know what the time cues are for things to be done yeah another thing that's a classic of these matches with with all the blood is uh everyone as many people as possible are wearing white yeah danielson with the white uh with a white (laughs) uh kingston with the white yankees thing yeah which he, um, I think by the time he comes back out, he's lost. He's gone to like his, which gives him like a darker sim- symbolism. No, he hasn't lost it. It's just now covered in his blood, so it's not white anymore. <laughs> God, that, that's me having a Mandela effect then. Yeah, I'm curious where they go with it. I do like the notion of there being fractions within the team that have been made up because my the enemy of my enemy is my ally. Mm. And that Danielson and Kingston do not like each other, and that was established in the past. Yeah. And that Moxley did do stuff to Santana or Ortiz, and Jericho pointed it out in the promo, although I think he got some names mixed up Yeah, in there. But, you know, you got the gist of it. And Moxley's there for Kingston, so Je- Danielson's doing it as a favour to Moxley. Yeah. What do you think? Should Regal have been a quick, visible part of the match do you think quick question before i answer that though just because you're a bit more clued up on that side of things than i am when does best of the when does the super junior tournament end oh that's already ended okay i think i know how they work around that yeah then. well that'll be like danielson will say i don't want any part of this anymore so they sub in wheelie utah maybe for blood and guts that'd be a curious way of and he has it. a bit of a coming out party maybe Maybe. It'd be cool if they had him and Daniel Garcia sort of become a, a have a focal point part of the match as well. Mm. Because it's obvious that Daniel Garcia is the one that doesn't fit within the sports entertainer's brief. Yeah. But he still does it because I think it's just this idea of like he's, you know, he's hooking himself to the wagon to get himself, you know. It's based in like reality as well, his like loyalty to Jericho, because Jericho did donate thousands of dollars to his care when he had that car crash. Yeah, but you don't want that as like a Jericho boo bad guy thing. Because apparently the plan was for Garcia to also be involved in the Blackpool Combat Club until Jericho said he wanted him for his thing. Yeah. So maybe that's where things will go. Maybe he'll switch allegiances. Although, you know, I... As much as that sounds cool, the idea of, like, this combat club of, like, protégés and everything, if they're all sort of ploughing the same sort of furrow, how do you make them stand out, you know? 
Yeah, I think you need to put. I think their next recruit needs to be a woman. Well, yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Well, I just think more of them should have women in their groups. You know, I've said. You know, every, I think everyone said that Layla Hurst should have joined Team Taz, and that never happened. Yeah, Statlander should have hung out with the best friends a bit more, but then she had she's had a reboot recently. Serena D would be a great fit if the Blackpool Combat Club had gone heel, um, which they could still do very easily after this feud's done. I mean, they could turn on Eddie Kingston, possibly. No! But it is that curious thing, isn't it, that, that Kingston is, as is always the case, his own worst enemy, that he is what costs the team the match. No, he's not, though. I, I'm sorry. He literally almost was going to set his teammate on fire. But he could have got out of the way. When he had the opponent in the winning submission hold. He could have got out. Like, Danielson could have let go whenever he wanted. No, well, not if he wanted Jericho to tap out. Yeah, Danielson then didn't have to shoot. Kingston could Kingston. have waited for Jericho to tap out and then, okay, move along, Brian. I'm now going to set him on fire. Nah, nah, I'm sorry. Daniel Bryanson got too... Uh, Daniel Bryanson? Daniel, Daniel Fierson. I'm just getting so mixed up. Brian Danielson got too hot-headed, in my opinion. What? Okay, Simon. I'll tell you what. I'll cover you in petrol and wield a lighter near you and see if you don't immediately try and slap it out my hand just let go all you need to do is let go yeah you're perfectly in control of the situation all you need to do is let go and walk somewhere else you don't need to like what i don't get no, why you need to get I involved don't know if you know how i don't know i don't know i don't know if you noticed i don't know if you noticed he was doing it very quickly whilst but brian Anderson had something holding and i don't know if you know how petrol works there's trails if you've been covered in it, even if you walk away, the trail could chase you. It could chase you. It could have, have got out of the way. Flammable? And inflammable means flammable as well. All right, Dr. Nick. But no, I, I genuinely think it's Danielson's fault. I, I think you are literally... I think even Eddie Kingston in the cold light of day would say I was wrong to do that. You are an army of one. And Jesus Louises. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. wasn't quite expecting that phrase. Uh, but no, no I, I, that's just how I feel about the matter. Like Danielson overreacted. No, no, no. If someone covers you in petrol, you are within your rights to react negatively to them. Just just deal with it after. It's fine. <laughs> no, you don't deal with it after. If you're covered in petrol, you deal with it immediately. But he's not. He wasn't going to burn. Uh, it's fine. Yes, he was. And who's to say, with the notion that Eddie Kingston hates Danielson, who's to say he might not have tried to do it and be like, oh, it was meant for Jericho, but you just happened to get caught in the crossfire. But... Danielson didn't Crossface nearly fire. blind Kingston. So, oh I don't know. I, 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 I'm Team I, Kingston I genuinely, genuinely... At this point, it's clear that Eddie Kingston was not of the right sound mind. You know, that was how he was conveying it in the way that he was walking and looking. Oh, yeah. I'm... I'm... I... I this is like... You are so utterly wrong, it's actually quite shocking. Like, art, usually there's not a right or wrong. You are 100% wrong. I'm telling you, Danielson, that Danielson's too hot-headed. Well, he would have literally been hot-headed if the lighter had been set off. Too prideful. 
Oh my god. Okay, I've we're gonna have to wrap your this up. Brain. Yeah, you have. You set fire to logic. Just like uh, Eddie Kingston was gonna set fire to Brian Danielson. Danielson could have moved. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> Please direct all of your <laughs> correspondence <laughs> to Simon. Well, I'm not going to give this match five stars. I would pro- like I said, I, the, the, the anarchy of the first ten minutes didn't really work that much for me. I love the humor behind it. I love the music and everything, but um, the New Jack referencing. But you know, New Jack matches aren't really uh, works of art. Um, so, I don't know, I guess I'd probably waver somewhere around the four stars, four and a quarter. I, I think a really cool thing they could do on YouTube would be to release the match with the various cameras just following each of them. Oh, multicam. Yeah, like, you can you have each of the cameras. <gasps> Red like, button! <laughs> you get yeah, to go from yeah, screen yeah. to screen to screen. You can, you can move around, yeah. Yeah, that'd be mint. Uh, yeah. maybe so then you could literally way. catch the whole match, and then you can yeah. have an opinion about it. <laughs> yeah as much as i loved it not quite five stars no like there's, there, you're right the start was just a little bit too ploddy it, it so what's so what's what, what would you say is your rating uh, i'd go mid fours so four and a half yeah yeah so that's four and a half star rating from a minus five star brain okay oh he could have moved <sighs> that is a dud of an argument. <laughs> but anyway, Simon, if people want to give you a taste of petrol in your mouth of logic and expect you to be able to answer any question with the right response, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of garage forecourts I am banned from. My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N at the start of Anarchy. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox. if you're putting that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lntyspod at gmail.com. LNTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. For next week's episode, it seems like there's a decent chance we're going to get at least one five-star rating in the next Observer, given how he um, assessed the visual the other kind of visual discomfort that was the Cody Rhodes Seth Rollins Hell in a Cell match uh, or maybe also there was a Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match on AEW and Meltz usually loves them if that but if there isn't then we will return to our match of the week which is Gail Kim against Awesome Kong no holds barred match at final destination but until then there is nothing left to say except that I'm Logical Lorcan Mullen. He's sanity to be questioned. Simon Cross, he could have moved. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. shadow from that smile Roses are blooming down the avenues Looks like I came home just in time
original. You never give chapter or a verse.